You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Big hit by Juleson on Shifley, but it leaves a lane open for Gabe Velarde and Kyle Connor to hook up for a go-ahead goal. You know, the third one, I went to the hit, um... Ended up in the back of our net, and the fourth one's on me as well. So that you know that game's a loss because of me. You're so bloody negative about everything. We know Tanner's going to be traded. I think the Flames are waiting till a first-round pick gets offered. Good morning, happy family day here. It is Halford and Bruff, Sportsnet 650, the home of the Canucks. No Halford today. He has the day off. Maybe the week off as well. We'll see. Lower, I'm lower body injury. Yeah, day to day, week Halford, to week. Yeah. I don't know. We this is kind of the thing that turned into a, a maintenance day, turning into an extended yeah, absence yeah. for Mike Halford. So it's it's nothing serious, folks. Don't worry. He had a sports injury. That uh, well, it is serious to Halford, but it's not like life threatening. Yes. Unless he spends way too much time on his couch over the next little while, and then it could be life-threatening. Good morning, Dodd. Good to work with you again. Good morning. Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, Bruff is still here, and of course, Laddie and A-Dog uh, in the control Good morning. Room, still running things. Hello, hello. As well. Uh, uh, good, uh, I hope everyone has a great family day today, yes. including uh, getting some time away from your yeah. family. That would be uh, nice. I was supposed to have the day off mm-hmm. until Halford's injury. <laughs> so now I'm here getting some time away from my family. Um, yeah, or later start today. So 7 to 10. And, of course, then the Canucks play at 11. So we'll roll right in to the pregame show here. Uh, the official automotive, automotive sponsor of Halford & Bruff is the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street or Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Com. And uh, uh, just a reminder yeah. that hour one of the Halford and Bruff show is brought to you by North Star of Metal course. Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street. Very good. Um, big show coming up today, 730. David Amber will join us at 830. Joe O'Donnell, who does the uh, play-by-play for the Minnesota Wild. The Canucks opponents today will get a preview of the game with Joe. And then at 9, uh, Kevin Woodley from NHL.com and Ingle Magazine will join us for some goalie talk before we do all of that. And, of course, we'll do what we learned at 8.30, so you can send yours in right now, 650-650, is the Dunbar Lumber text line. We'll read them uh, at 8.30, hashtag WWL. Before we do all that, let's do what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What Happened brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit bccsa.ca. Not necessarily the busiest weekend in sports, but the highlight certainly from our perspective, a really, really entertaining game between the Canucks and the Jets at Rogers Arena on Saturday, although... 
Uh, a lot of Canucks fans left pretty frustrated in the aftermath as they fall 4-2 to the Jets on Saturday. Yeah, uh, The Jets earned that 4-2 win over the Canucks. Mark Scheifele was the star of the game. He had a goal and three assists. Gabe Velarde had a couple goals and assists. Kyle Connor had two really nice assists. And Sean mm-hmm. Monaghan outdid Elias Lindholm in the trade acquisition department. He scored his first goal for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, the Canucks, meanwhile, didn't get any offensive contributions from their star forwards, and we'll talk about that for probably a fair bit of the show today. Um, their goals were scored by Noah Juleson, who we'll also talk about today, uh-huh. and Tyler Myers, uh, who we may talk about today. Beautiful goal by Tyler Myers, by the way. Sen- <laughs> simply sensational. That was awesome. I was like, when's he going to pass it? When's he going to pass it? Backhand <laughs> nope. right by Hellebuck. Um the Jets scored twice on the power play while the Canucks went 0 for 4. And while the fans had a lot to say about the officiating, uh, head coach Rick Tockett didn't want to hear any complaining about the refs. And he said, you're going to have these games. Whether you think you got screwed or not, it doesn't really matter. Um, the last couple of games, we've taken a lot of penalties. That's for people to say if there are penalties or not. But I'm not going to go there. We played hard, just unfortunately... The Jets won the special teams battle tonight, and uh, IMAC wrote about this in his column that Tockett's takeaway was just don't get frustrated. I think we were mm-hmm. getting frustrated with some things out there and just don't let it fester because when that happens, when you get frustrated, you run out of position or you do something that's uncharacteristic, um, which brings us to Noah Juleson. You might have heard him in the intro saying basically this game was on me and I'm not going to go that far, but I will go so far as to say is he made a couple of mistakes. Uh, He had a really eventful night. Uh, He did score the game's opening goal on a net front drive to pick up some garbage, which I did not see coming. First goal since 2018 for Uh, Noah Juleson in the NHL. But in the third period with the score tied 2-2 and the game was starting to get rowdy. Well, it already started getting rowdy. There were lots of big hits away, uh, lots of big hits. Mm -hmm. Um, It was fun. Um, I wasn't in attendance at Rogers Arena, but it was one of those games where, man, I wish I was there. It was like a fun time. Uh, He gave the puck away, unfortunately, and then he chased a hit on the winning goal. A hit the crowd got to cheer for about a second before Velarde scored on one of those great passes from Kyle Connor after Shifley had taken the hit. Um, And then Juleson... Just a couple minutes later, got caught out of position and lost Shifley. There's that name again behind him. Connor made another great cross-ice pass, and this time it was Shifley who beat Thatcher Demko, and that was the game, really. Um, I do want to play some audio from Juleson. I'm not pinning the entire game on Juleson. I don't think anyone in their right mind is pinning their game on Juleson, the game on Juleson, but we've been giving this guy a lot of love. And I do wonder if he started maybe playing above the mm-hmm. safe level mm-hmm. for Noah Juleson. Uh, here's Noah Juleson taking the blame for the Canucks 4-2 to loss to the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the goal doesn't matter at all, obviously. Uh, you know, the third one, I went for the hit. Um, ended up in the back of our net. And the fourth one's on me as well. So, that you know, that game's a loss because of me. Get your first goal as a Canuck. Were you expecting to score it from inside the opponent's crease? Is that... No, I, I wasn't, but uh, it doesn't matter right now. 
What do you guys learn from a tough game like this? Yeah, I think there's a lot to learn. Obviously, I think we, we played great till uh, a couple errors there by myself. So, yeah. Do you think there's enough emotion in this game to affect the outcome? That's hard to say. I mean, I think we, we played hard and had emotion the whole night and uh, a couple slip-ups by, by me there, and, and that's the game. So, again, there's no way I'm pitting that entire no. game on Juleson. The Canucks power play went 0 for 4, and the PK went 2 for 4. Uh, the first Jets power play goal, um, I don't think the skaters did anything wrong. Uh, it, you know, they they kept the puck to the outside and somehow a puck squeezed by Thatcher Demko, who looked like he was in a great position to make the save. Uh, the second one, the Jets tic-tac-toed it around a little bit. Um, so you either credit the Jets or maybe wonder if the Canucks could have gotten a stick in a passing lane or a shooting lane. Yep. But look, reverse those. Canucks go two for four on the power play, and they kill all four Winnipeg Jets game, um, you know, power plays themselves, and the Canucks win the game. It's a comfortable win, yeah. The Canucks overall were, at five on five, were the better team. Um, listen, it was an entertaining game. I enjoyed watching it. I'm not that upset that the Canucks lost. I know people are going to bring up the fact that they've lost some of these you know, oh, it's a big game tonight. Yeah, you well, know, coming the, the, off the heels of the Boston of the game. the Boston yeah. game, yeah. I like watching intense, hard hockey. Um, the Jets are a good team, and the Canucks are still tops in the NHL standings. There's no reason to freak out, yet the top six is still not consistent. They're not terrible. They're not terrible. I think they're just not living up to their potential. And I'm going to throw the power play in mm-hmm, there because mm-hmm. the top six is a big part of the power play. Um, five on five, they weren't awful, but um, you know we're. St- I, I hope they give this Swedish line a, a, a run, just like let them have the odd so-so game or even a bad game because yep. I think it's really important that somebody starts clicking with Petey, who had a rough game, especially on the power play against the Jets. Um, Lindholm and Hoaglander, I think that line has potential. They might just need some time to grow used to each other. Um, what were your thoughts on Saturday? Well, first of all, you know, and somebody texted in already, there's this idea out there. Iron Blair texted in. The narrative is out there that the Canucks can't beat good teams. I don't believe it. And, yeah, I think if you're taking away anything like that from the Jets game, I think that's a total mistake. As you said, they were the better team at five on five. And the way I was thinking about it, if that was game one of a playoff series, nobody would be looking at that and saying like, oh, wow, the Jets are, they're going to walk in this series. We'd be looking at it and saying, oh, this is going to be, this is going six or seven games because these are two really evenly matched yeah. good teams. And Came down to a couple of mistakes exactly, in the end. Right? There was very, you know, uh, thin margins on that game. Ultimately, the special teams battle is what did it. But there was no time watching that game where I was thinking like, oh, the Canucks can't hang with the Jets. No, no way. They played no. really well. Yeah. Now, I know Tockett spoke after the game about, you know, one of his favorite phrases, a learning lesson uh, about keeping your composure. And I did think the worst stretch for the Canucks was like the final 12 minutes or so, right? When they, I, I thought the wind did go out of their sails yes. a little bit and Noah Juleson in particular, obviously, but even the rest of the team, I thought maybe just a little caught up in the emotion uh, of the game, but I don't think there's any like serious takeaways that I'm concerned about or red flags or anything from that Canucks uh, performance. The point about the top six I mean, people are texting in about Brock Besser, you know, other than that hat trick 
against Columbus before the All-Star break. It's been a really quiet stretch for him, even though he's at 30 goals now. It's hard to separate the power play and what they're doing at 5-on-5. And I think Rick Tockett would agree that, you know, it wasn't that long ago. I think it was just last week where he was saying, what does the top six need to do? Be more like the Garland line. (laughs) Like, do these things. Retrieve pucks. Be connected in the offensive zone. There's too many one-and-done shifts. And I think that's still the concern for me is that, they're not generating those repeated scoring chances often enough. Now, Mm -hmm. as we saw uh, recently against Detroit, they don't necessarily need a ton of grade-A scoring chances to convert, but when you're going against a defense like the Winnipeg Jets and a goalie like Connor Hellebuck, that's a hard way to live, and I think you need to find a way to grind out those shifts in the offensive zone, and the top six hasn't really been doing that consistently. Uh, Let's talk about Elias Pettersson because he looked off to me. Uh, in the game, not just on the power play. Um, although he didn't nearly score a beautiful goal on the power play on an individual effort. Um, it would have been nice if that would have happened, but yes. it didn't. And it looked like to me one of those games where he was just fighting the puck a little bit, um, careless with the puck, um, just not just, just not at the level that we know he can get to. Um, I realize Pedersen is a really touchy subject in Vancouver. <laughs> really? You think? <laughs> There's, you don't say. There's starting to become more of a noticeable divide in the fan base mm-hmm. between those who enthusiastically, enthusiastically rip him after games like Saturday and those who will staunchly defend him and even do some whataboutism. What about Brock Besser? Like, mm. as soon as you start complaining about – What about, about JT Miller? Yeah, yeah. Elias yeah. Pettersson. Like, there's a yeah. lot of that. Um, I know this is Halford-esque, but in honor of my fallen comrade <laughs> – I do think both sides make valid points. On the plus side, and this one's obvious, Petey is a top 10 scorer in the NHL. Dude scores a lot of points. He could easily top 100 points again this season. That's a good hockey player. Guys like that make your team better. Now, that being said, I also think it's fair to say that you do not always know what you're going to get from Petey. Compare him to Quinn Hughes. And let's do that because, you know, those are the two superstar skaters on the Canucks. Hughes rarely has an off night or seems to struggle with his confidence. He has a few off nights. But you can depend on Hughes to be brilliant on a nightly basis. He's reliably elite, if that makes sense. Petey's game, to me at least, and I welcome anyone to disagree with this, I want to have a conversation about this, is more erratic. Like, sometimes he'll have nights where he looks like the second coming of Pavel Datsuk, both offensively Mm -hmm. and defensively. Then others, he's downright sloppy with the puck, and his body language gets a bit pouty. I still, again, want that Swedish line to get some more time together because I think there's potential there. Um, But what do you think about that notion of not knowing what you're going to get from Petey on a nightly basis. Do you agree with that? Feel free to disagree. I don't feel that watching the games. And I wonder how much of it from, even from your perspective, kind of unconsciously, but especially from the fans, is related to the uncertainty around his contract, right? That he is extra under the microscope because he hasn't signed a contract. And we are kind of diving in and looking and dissecting these moments from Elias Pettersson more than we would for another player. I also just think 
I think it has, especially for forwards, inherently there's going to be streakiness in their games, yeah. even really high scoring forwards. Yeah. And ultimately, like he's gonna, I would be stunned if he doesn't get to 100 points this year. And if you have back to back 100 point seasons, well, okay, if you're if that's what your inconsistency gets you, then I can live with that. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like reliable hundred point exactly. Guy. It's like well, you have some you have some hot <laughs> stretches and some cold stretches in the season, but you end up with a hundred points. Like, all right, well, you just kind of live with that. What I will say is, I don't think his defensive impact has been what we're accustomed to this year. So I think mm. that's driving a lot of it as well. And I will also say, you're right on the power play on Saturday. It wasn't his best game. So I'm not I'm not trying to sit here and say like, "Oh, he didn't do anything wrong on Saturday. It wasn't his best game." I just there was don't a, There was a play when he went in on the forecheck and a Jets player spun off him and the Jets player had 15 feet of separation in like half a second. Yeah. Because he just wasn't he, he wasn't on him, you know, and it didn't look like he particularly cared to back check on it. Maybe it was the end of the shift. Maybe he lost an edge. I don't know. But I'm just used to seeing more of a mm-hmm. dog-on-a-bone type of game from Pedersen. I think he tried to impact the game physically, which is a For weird sure. way to say. Yep. But like he was making hits out there. Um, but oftentimes I find he does that when he's frustrated. And I think he was frustrated on Saturday. Well, I agree yeah. with Bruff, like with the body language thing. I noticed it, I was there Saturday and I noticed it, especially with PD. Sometimes he doesn't look engaged. Like that's what I noticed with him, which but, is weird because he will still make plays in the game. He'll still get chances, but there are shifts where I'm like, he just doesn't look like he's, he's in it out there. How much of that is that's PD. You know what I mean? Well, that, that's, he has, well, that like, is like, him. He's yes. never going to be the kind of expressive, yes. hyper-emotional guy like JT Miller. I agree. To, to, you know, to compare two players. He very here. much is like, that that's kind just of not player. Him. Like, he is yeah. just kind of, he has a different personality. And I guess my other question is, like, let's say, Radio. let's stipulate for the sake of argument, okay, Pedersen is less reliable. Even though he gets to 100 points and he can still have these impact games, he's less reliable than other superstar forwards. Mm-hmm. My question is still like, well, what, what do the Canucks do about that? You know what I mean? Because I, because... That doesn't mean that. Well, then you should, you know, you should trade him instead of sign him to a contract. It's like I don't see how that gets you closer. And what do they say? Like you still get a hundred points, right? That's so, I mean, the like, thing. How do you? Right. So it's like it might you should be getting two hundred. <laughs> it might just be the kind of thing where it's like maybe there is a bit of uh, like a mercurial thing happening with Elias Pettersson. Maybe he does. I just str- kind of have to. Maybe live with he it. does struggle more with his confidence when things are down mm. than other players. Yeah, that could be a possibility for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I guess the other question is like, as I was saying, I wonder if people are putting him under the microscope for the contract situation, right? I think there's definitely, I mean, I'm sure you've sensed it. Do you think in that the affects inbox him? Maybe? Too. Well, that's what I was going to wonder. And I don't know. Like, I don't buy the idea that he can't possibly negotiate a contract in season because it would be too distracting. Like, Everyone's got distractions in life. Yeah. And also, it's know, like, like it would take a day. If he picks up the phone yeah. and says, I want to sign long term. Here's what I want to do. I want to sign a six-year deal. Mm-hmm. It could be done in 24 hours, yeah. like quite easily, mm-hmm. right? It clearly is not going to be a dispute about money or terms, so I don't really buy that. But at the same time, there's uncertainty. He doesn't know what's going to happen beyond this year. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think it, I look at it. I look at the total output of the year and where he's going to be and his impact, and I'm pretty satisfied. He didn't have a great game on Saturday, but I do wonder how much of this is just him being extra under the microscope from our perspective right now. Um, l- looking forward for the Canucks, uh, they got a tough three-game road trip starting today, actually, in a few hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it is uh, President President's Day 
in uh, I believe so yes in the United States. So it's a holiday in Canada and the United States. So it's an 11 a.m. start time between the Canucks and the Wild. So uh, gather the family around and then go watch in another room so they don't bother you. Uh, Colorado they play tomorrow. And that's going to be another measuring stick game for the top six, mm-hmm. I suppose. And the people that um, believe that the Canucks are great against all the so-so teams and not so great against the real contenders, even though they went through the Rangers and yep. the Devils, they beat the and, Hurricanes. Yeah, they recently. beat the Hurricanes. Like I, I don't. I think that's some cherry picking yeah. there, but. You know, look, there have been some games, the Leafs game in Toronto, the Boston game in Boston, and most recently the Winnipeg game, where they haven't played well. Uh, And Seattle on Thursday, uh, the Wild are actually playing some pretty decent hockey. Although they lost to Buffalo Saturday in OT, and that when I saw that, I was like, God, I hate that, because they'll be mad now. Do you remember when the Bruins had that stinker against the Flames? Right, yeah, and they and were then, super ticked off. And then yeah. they came back and, and, and walloped the And then, and the then they went back to playing bad right after that. They did, they, yeah. <laughs> they were like, we're going to play one good game here in this stretch, and it's going to be against the Canucks. I, I think we should talk about that uh, at some point this show. Like, th- We could have a Leafs-Bruins matchup, but mm-hmm. is it the same as it was maybe a few years ago? I, I don't know. Um, anyway, back to the Wild. The Wilds have still got an outside shot at the playoffs, um, plus the mad factor. I think this is going to be a tough one for the Canucks today, especially with the weird start time, the travel. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully the Canucks are in a bad mood after losing to the Jets on Saturday. And one thing that the Canucks have been very good at is not letting the bad games it wasn't even a bad game yeah the bad results get them down famously the Canucks have yet to lose three in a row this season they've lost a couple in a row a few times um we'll talk more about the wild with Joe O'Donnell the play-by-play guy for the wild at 8 30 so that's going to be an hour two of the show David Amber is going to join us next and it was a busy night or busy weekend yep. in all things other NHL. Um, there are a couple of nine to two games on Saturday. The Leafs beat the Ducks nine to two. Austin Matthews with another hat trick. This guy, this guy's threatening uh, to finish the season with a goal again. Like which which is which is crazy. Wild. I don't think he'll get there, yep. but he's you know people are people are talking about mm, maybe um, the Flames. I think are cooked. And I know the question out there is, can the Canucks find a way to get Chris Tanev? I feel like the Canucks are down the list in terms of favorites to get Chris Tanev. Um, could he be headed north to Edmonton? That's a possibility, I suppose. Um, we should also maybe discuss either just amongst ourselves or with David Amber coming up. The Florida Panthers, in my mind, are quite clearly the class of the East. Yep. They beat the Tampa Bay Lightning 9-2 to on Saturday. And remember they started the season, and the Canucks even beat them early in the season. They started the season missing some real Banged key up. players. Yep. And Kachuk was cold as anything for a yeah. long time to start the year. You know, you know how we have these questions about the Canucks' top six and, like, is it reliable? Is it going to stack up against the really elite teams in the NHL? The Florida Panthers must have a top three, top six. Yeah. 
in the like Carter Verhage is such an underrated player. Um, you got Barkov up there. Uh, the season that Sam, Sam Reinhardt is season, having. Season that Sam Reinhardt's having. Like they are a very very good team. Um, the Islanders blew it big time in front of like ninety thousand people <laughs> at MetLife. Um, could this be the end for Lou Lamb? Like they had they were playing well against the Rangers, and then you know I don't know if what it is about Bo Horvat and his teams failing to protect leads, but the Rangers scored a couple of late ones, then scored again in overtime. And the Patrick Waugh Hail Mary by Lou Lamb does not, not seem working. to be does not seem to be panning out. So there's tons to get to. Please text into the Dunbar Lumber text line. We've got some time at the beginning of hour two, which is an eight o'clock start. Uh, to go into the Dunbar Lumber text line, we can talk all things NHL. We can talk about the Vancouver Canucks, Elias Pettersson, Brock Besser, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, the NBA All-Star Game, which was uh, not a low-scoring affair. Um, lots to talk about after a busy weekend in sports, especially hockey. Uh, you're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If uh, you had to fistfight Rick Tockett, would you choose a 59-year-old Tockett of today or a 27-year-old Tockett from the Penguins? I don't know. I see him working out in the gym, and he does some pretty insane stuff still, so I'm probably not going to pick a fight with him, number one. Welcome back to Halford and Bruff here, Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd filling in for Mike Halford. Uh, that is J- JT Miller on After Hours on Saturday night with a pretty entertaining interview. Uh, Halford and Bruff brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Also by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler. Pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle. You get paid. 1170 Powell Street. Jan Pro, the leaders in commercial cleaning and janitorial. If your workplace demands a clean environment, contact Jan Pro for a free, no obligation quote. Visit janpro.ca. Was that question our show's fault? Like that question that JT Miller got about being yes. able to. That it's, was, it's always our fault. It's Because we've been talking a lot about whether or not Rick Tockett could beat up Rod Brindamore. Yeah. <laughs> and there's been a lot of there's been a lot of debates on who Rick Tockett could beat up. And I feel like that might have been an extension because that was uh that was a question from a fan, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If that I, fan listens to the show, if that if my theory if my theory is right, first of all, thank you. That was hilarious. Asking a player if he could beat up his coach and like although the question is obviously thought about like, it <laughs> would you would you pick the uh rick tockett when he was in his prime or would you pick current 59 year old version to beat up that one's kind of a slam dunk isn't it Just yeah i like, don't know who unless jt like wanted the challenge he yeah was like, yeah he wanted you know the what? honor I'm, i want i want to push myself the pride <laughs> jt yeah, also yeah. revealing that he's johnny john at home he doesn't go by JT. Wow. Yeah. He, he, well, you're saying he rarely gets JT because it's either John Johnny at home or Millsy at the rink. Uh, all right. Now joining us. Uh, they call him Johnny at home? <laughs> from Sportsnet <laughs> NHL coverage and Hockey Night in Canada. He is David Amber. David, thanks for doing this. Happy uh, Happy Family Day. Actually, is it Family Day in Ontario? I, I admit, I'm not sure about that. 
It, it is family day. It's President's Day in the States. Yes. So we have a lot of afternoon hockey. In fact, after this uh, after this interview, I'm heading into the to the studios. We have what four or five afternoon games. I have the Leafs and Blues, and Carolyn Cameron will be there for the Canucks game. So we're we're pumped. It's a busy day. And I, by the way, no one's fighting Rick Tockett. No one wants to fight Rick Tockett. <laughs> An 80 year old Rick Tockett could beat up 99 percent of people. I, I'm very confident in that. So who, that, that's crazy. Who are you taking between Rick Tockett and Rod Brendamore? What in just a fight? Yeah, like right now. In a yeah, fight, right, right yeah, now. Right now. Yeah. In a this fight. is this is what this is what we do in Vancouver. Now that the Canucks are winning, <laughs> we pit coaches against each other in imaginary fights. I'm probably taking Tockett yeah. based on his resume. What three thousand penalty minutes or whatever the hell it mm. was? Like I was a complete animal. Yeah, like we're allowing headbutts. We're allowing headbutts. We're allowing any sort of <laughs> yeah. like it's a street fight. Pocket sand. Yeah, anything you. Yeah, yeah. Ado's always about the pocket sounds. I feel like he Very might useful. have he might have brass knuckles on him. Just <laughs> yeah, I don't you know, know if he needs it. Yeah, I talk it, talk it. We've talked, we've had this conversation. You guys want a, a, a good topic for you guys would be like a battle royal. You have the thirty two yep. coaches in the ring. Who's the last man standing? That to me might be interesting. Um, but as far as a, a fight, you know, and Brindamore, that's no disrespect to him. If it's a bodybuilding thing, then Brindamore is going to take all the other 31 coaches down. But, but if it's uh, a, you know, a, a, just a backyard brawl, then talk, it's probably the guy. Uh, pretty feisty game between the Canucks and the Jets on Saturday. What did you, uh, what did you think about that one? I thought it was playoff style hockey, and I think it will play five on five. Vancouver was the better team, but for you know that night only, uh, special teams were the difference maker, and the Jets special teams were very good. And it's funny; I never would have thought that based on the Jets power play struggled a lot this year, and they finally got their mojo back, and they had more opportunities. So uh, I think that was the difference in the game. In fact, they had more power play opportunities in their. In their Special teams were, were much better, but five on five, I think Vancouver was right there and, and maybe the better team. And quite frankly, that's the sort of, you know, you're going to have Demko and, and Hellebuck, you have this kind of caliber of goalie. Uh, it's going to be really hard to find the back of the net. So it was kind of cool to get a glimpse into what hockey's going to look like in two months. What was the more interesting 9 2 blowout over the weekend? Was it the Leafs over <laughs> the Ducks and another Austin Matthews hat trick, or was it the Panthers over the Lightning? You know what? I think it was the Panthers over the Lightning. I mean, what the hell's going on with Florida? They've quietly snuck under the radar. I'll be the first to admit, I thought they were going to regress this year. I looked at their team and I said, you know, Montour and Ekblad out for an extended period of time and Bennett to start the year. Kachuk coming back from the broken sternum. You know, Bobrovsky probably won't play to the same level he played during the, during the playoffs, which was exceptional. And I was wrong on all accounts. They withstood the storm of not having their top two defensemen there. And uh, Reinhardt has picked up the slack of what was missing early on without Sam Bennett there. Bobrovsky's been just as good as last year. They, In many respects, they seem like a better team than they were last year, a more complete team. They forecheck with a tenacity we don't see any other team forecheck with, and they're very happy to do that, dump the puck into the corner and send two guys as hard as they can in there to retrieve the puck and just you know, beat the crap out of you uh, up and down the ice. And what we get 150 penalty minutes or 160 penalty minutes in that game, Tampa versus Florida, Tampa had won eight straight home games too, guys like this Florida team. There's something interesting there. 
you know, the Leafs pouring it on on the Ducks and, and, and Matthews having another hat trick. Yeah, that's interesting, but it's the Ducks at the end of the day. You go into Tampa and you beat your state rival. You know, you score nine straight on them and embarrass them uh, up and down the ice on their home ice. That, to me, is a statement. So uh, it's it's interesting what we're seeing from the Florida Panthers right now. So the combination of those games uh, meant that the Leafs moved into third place in the Atlantic and the lightning dropped to the first wild card spot. And with the Florida Panthers ascension, they are now first in the Atlantic. And if the playoffs were to start today, it would be the Bruins and the Leafs in the first round. Would that matchup still have a lot of cachet in Toronto and Boston? A hundred percent. I mean, yeah, it does. It's, I don't know how much people would talk about, oh, well, five years ago, and of course the 4 1 third period, mm-hmm. and, you know, 12, 13 years ago. Yeah, that'll get brought up, but it's also, you know, it's just, it's two original six rivals. At the end of the day, it's still, it's the Maple Leafs in the playoffs, which, uh, you know, for better or for worse, I know people don't want to talk about it necessarily in every hockey market, but it is newsworthy, certainly where I am here in Toronto. And, um, and, you know, you have the Matthew story, you have the pasta story. There's a lot of storylines there. Uh, it would have to cachet. And quite frankly, you know, in talking to a lot of Leaf fans, that's the preferred matchup at this point. I never in a million years would have thought the Leafs would be hoping maybe to play Boston. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny to have the chance. They don't want Florida after. anymore. <laughs> exactly. They saw what Florida is all about. I just think, you know, Florida is a punishing, punishing team. And you're probably ultimately going to have to go through them if you get through a team like Boston. But maybe just on paper, the matchup versus Boston, for for whatever reason, might be more appealing. Uh, well, whoever the least play in the first round, my, my guess is they're going to be the underdog. They're going to probably be the road team. and They'll be the underdog. And, and they should because they've been very inconsistent this year. Um, but I think maybe they, there is a feeling, I, I can't speak for the Leafs, but for Leaf Nation, when I talk to people who have followed the team, they seem to prefer to want to play Boston over Florida to, to start the postseason. So it seems to go back and forth whether or not people believe that Bradshaw Living is going to do anything significant ahead of the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were times that I would hear like, yeah, definitely he's going to do something. And then other times that maybe the Leafs weren't playing all that well, that people are like, uh, maybe he'll just keep his powder dry for the off season and not so much punt on this season, but not spend significant assets to improve the team, especially on rentals. Where do you think he's at right now? Um, I personally think he's going to do something. I just, I, I'm not, I don't want to simplify it, but guys, at the end of the day, you have Austin Matthews yeah. in his prime, Mitch Marner in his prime. You have John Tavares. I know John Tavares isn't 24-year-old John Tavares, but bottom line is you only have you know a year, two years left of, of this quartet. You just signed Nylander. Like, you, the window is now. There, you know, it doesn't mean you go and completely mortgage the future, but I think you're kicking as many tires as you can. And we've seen worse teams make deep runs and make Stanley Cup runs than this current edition of the Leafs. And are they imperfect? Yeah, in many in many respects they are. But if they do add, you know, a defenseman or two and a forward, if they do find that right mix you could be right there. I mean, there's, I've said this on your guys' show before, there's seven, eight, nine, ten teams that legitimately think they are Stanley Cup contenders. And many of those teams are flawed. In fact, pretty much all of them have 
little things they need to do to tweak. Uh, the Leafs are one of them, and they're certainly not at the top echelon where the Canucks are and you know some of the other teams I'd like to put in that group, Vegas and, and potentially Edmonton and, and Dallas and, and the best, best teams. But they're you know maybe a few players away from being right there. And if you have the capability of doing that without completely mortgaging your future, and your Brad Trey living, you you know it's incumbent on you to to consider that and probably push through and try and do that because that's what you're here for is to win a championship. A couple of pretty fun stadium series games on the weekend. Yesterday saw the Islanders blowing a late lead to the mm-hmm. Rangers losing in overtime. And just looking at the Islanders, you know, last year Lou Lamorello plays a big card, making the trade for Bo Horvat, signing him to a massive extension. And look, Horvat's had a really good season. Uh, for them there but you know he played another big card recently bringing in Patrick Waugh to take over midseason as the head coach and it doesn't seem to be working if this doesn't turn around if the Islanders don't you know make the playoffs and maybe even make some noise in the playoffs this year like where does this franchise go considering they've already made some they've taken some pretty big swings to try to get this right yeah I I mean they're old guys Um, Lou Lamarillo is very loyal um, from everything I understand, and I think that serves them very well in many respects. And sometimes maybe that can come back to bite them if guys are there and they're, you know, getting more long in the tooth. And you know, he's an old school style of hockey. And you know, four or five years ago, the Fizikas, Clutterbuck, Martin line, like there was a certain level of fear, and it was the identity of the Islanders. But the league has just gotten so incredibly fast and so incredibly young. And, you know, it doesn't mean the Islanders aren't a good team, but I'm just wondering, when you look at them, are they any closer to a Stanley Cup than they were a few years ago? You know, you probably argue they're they're not closer. They're probably further away from those teams that went to back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals a few years a few years ago. So I, I wonder, uh, you know, you brought in this fierce competitor in Patrick Waugh and and that's great, but you also need to have the players around him that can can achieve what he's trying to achieve. The one thing I do like about that Islanders team right now is Matt Barzell. The, the shackles apparently have sort of come mm. off of him. And watching him play, guys, damn, he is good. Like I think in almost any other market, he's a 90, 100-point kind of guy. He's just been sort of restrained uh, for so long in, in a system that's that's been predicated on goaltending and defense and, you know, not being offensively creative and taking chances, but having the shackles off, man, is he fun to watch. And I cannot wait for next year's four, four nations face off where I could see him playing on a line with a Connor McDavid or with a Nathan McKinnon. And I think we're going to just see a whole nother level of what Matthew Barcel can bring to the table. Do you think the Flames sell-off could include more than just Tanev and Hannafin? Because we're starting to hear rumors about Rasmus Anderson um, and, you know, Jacob Markstrom's name has been thrown out there as well. Yeah, it's interesting. I I don't know. I, I thought the perfect scenario was for Dan Vladar to, to have a better year than he's having. And you do have these three goaltenders. You trade Vladar. And you have Markstrom mentoring Dustin Wolf, who's your goalie of the future. It all seemed to make sense in that part of the equation. And there's just been so much rumblings about Jacob Markstrom. I don't know what to make of it. I mean, what would they want back in return? Jacob Markstrom is an elite goalie. And it's funny, when we started this whole kind of leading up to the trade deadline conversation, guys, your first question was about the Maple Leafs and Trey Living. 
imagine if Trey Living tries to somehow reunite Jacob Markstrom, you know, bring him into the Maple Leafs. I don't know how you would do that, quite frankly. I don't think the Leafs have what it would take to get him. But, you know, that's the sort of situation where if you add a Jacob Markstrom to Carolina, you add a Jacob Markstrom to Toronto, you add a Jacob Markstrom to some of these other teams that are that are Stanley Cup contenders but certainly have some flaws, it might really elevate them to the top of the stack. So I, I wonder what's going to happen. Rasmus Anderson would be a very coveted guy as well. But at the end of the day, you've got to also ask yourself, if you're trading, all, if you're Craig Conroy and you're trading all these guys, like someone's got to play these games. Mm-hmm. So what are you telling your fan base and what are you trying to do exactly? So I, I think there's a lot to be determined. Um, I think you have to move Tanev and Hannafin if you can't re-sign them. So I think by, by far, that's the, you know, that's the key. Uh, that, that's the first step. But maybe you're, you're putting together a bigger package. We've seen it happen before, right? What if someone wants to just hit the jackpot and you say, I want Tanev, but I also want, I also want Anderson. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here's what it's going to take. And, and I think we can do it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we're getting into big, big, big things. Listen, we're doing a show on the 8th. I'm sure you guys are doing a show on the 8th. I'll be some yep. more trades. <laughs> Just save it till the 8th is all I'm asking, right? Jim Rutherford is like the enemy of trade <laughs> deadline show. He, you know, he does it six weeks, eight weeks in advance. Doesn't leave us much to talk about. But um, I'm hopeful that there'll be some some big movement. But in the next couple of weeks, it'll also it'll have some GMs going, well, we're moving from contender to pretender or buyer to seller or whatever the case may be. So a lot can change over the next, you know, 14 to 21 days leading up to the deadline. I just wonder if something like the Jake Gensel injury is going to make a lot of GMs that are sellers go like, we should do this because even if the Penguins still can trade Jake Gensel, and it doesn't sound like he's got a season-ending injury, but it does throw a bit of a wrench into things when a player like that is hurt and you're like, oh, Am I going to be trading for damaged goods here? Because I really don't want to be doing that. It just complicates things a little bit. And there still is that risk of an actual season-ending injury that happens to someone who you really need to get some value. You know, like, I don't know if you've uh, heard this before, that Chris Tanev has been hurt before, and he plays a bit of a high-risk game when it comes to injuries. Um, But about the Penguins, like, they just, they still can't put it together. You know, they they lose a lot of one-goal games, and maybe if their power play had figured it out by then, this would all be a different story. But, you know, they lost to Los Angeles 2-1 yesterday. Um, they blew a one nothing lead in that. When does it start for them? Yeah, I, I wonder. Pittsburgh's another one of those teams, and you're right. The moment Jake Ensel got hurt, you know, my first initial response is there goes their number one trade asset. It wasn't like, oh, damn, there goes a great player that's going to help them make the playoffs. That well, I wasn't thinking on those terms at all. I was like, that was their trade asset. And you're right. Every game that Chris Tanev lines up and is blocking shots with his face, you have to wonder if Craig Conroy is going, you know, I, I could get a blank and a blank and a blank for Chris Tanev right now. As soon as he blocks that next shot with his face and he's out for three weeks, that's all gone. You know, like, I there would be a level of concern there, absolutely. So, uh, it is incumbent to try and get the most out of your out of your prospects and out of your out of your trade assets. And as far as Pittsburgh's concerned, I mean, they're now sitting. Uh, what are they sitting? They're sitting 12th in the East, guys. Seven points out of a playoff spot. And unlike the West, which I find, you know, there's a little bit of you know, it's a bit of a precarious perch that the St. Louis Blues in the final wild card find themselves in. I don't think the Blues are any great juggernaut and. 
I think the teams chasing them aren't that great. I think anything could happen in the West. When I look at our East, I look at Tampa and Detroit holding down the two wild cards. I think they're they're a little bit better. They're it's t- it's a tougher path for Pittsburgh, right? In my opinion, I, I don't see Detroit or Tampa just imploding and and losing fifteen of their last twenty. So you have to you have to pass New Jersey and the Islanders and Washington, which are all okay teams. But you also then have to climb up in, into the echelon with with Detroit and Tampa. I, I just I never ever will doubt Sidney Crosby guys, but at the same time, it just seems like some much harder road to hoe in the Eastern Conference to climb into those two uh, wild card positions. The way Detroit's been playing lately, and, and Tampa Bay. So, um, I if I'm Pittsburgh, I, I think Kyle Dubas really might be one of the more interesting guys to keep an eye on and what he's planning to do because. He kind of went all in when he went for Eric Carlson uh, in the offseason, and it just hasn't played out. It, for whatever reason, it just hasn't played out in Pittsburgh the way some people had anticipated it would. And uh, and now with the age of their you know, elite nucleus, the Crosbys, Malkins, etc., what are you going to do? So I'm really interested to see what happens there, but I, I am concerned for Pittsburgh and their chances to make the postseason this year. Oh, well, whatever he does, let's hope he saves it for uh, for March 8th, for all of our sakes, David. Uh, <laughs> happy Family Day. Thanks for doing this, and uh, enjoy the games today. Should be a fun one. Yeah, heading off to the studio should be great. It's always nice to get some, some afternoon, or in your guys' case, a little yeah. uh, late morning. And, uh, enjoy the hockey, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, David. That is David Amber from Sportsnet's NHL coverage and Hockey Night in Canada. And that point about Chris Tanev, and you know, you brought it up in relation to Jake Gensel. You remember last trade deadline, we saw, what was it, Jacob Chikrin and uh, Vladislav Gavrikov held out of the lineup mm-hmm. for fairly extended stretches. Gavrikov wasn't happy about no, it. No, but I do wonder, like, at what point do you consider that with Chris Tanev? Totally. Because it's over, right? You're not, you're not holding him for a push for the playoffs. You're trading the Flames him. have had some bad losses. Yeah. I mean, at a certain while. point, do you really want him out there throwing his body around no. for no reason? Because he really? doesn't understand pain. He's, he's like, he's, he's, he doesn't understand it. He's, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't register. register for yeah. him. Yeah. Um, so uh, for all of you who are tuning in on this holiday Monday, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Halford has a lower body injury. And he's probably out for a week. So I'm going to be working with Jamie Dodd. So it's the Dodd and Bruff show. Jimmy Dodd. Wow. This week. First billing. Yeah. Yeah. You're Incredible. replacing You're replacing Halford. Um, so text in to the Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. We got an open segment on the other side. Uh, we talked a lot about Elias Pettersson in the first part of the show. We talked about the Canucks power play. Um, and how that has not been very effective lately. Mm-hmm. So any thoughts on the Canucks, text them in. The rest of the league, text them in. We'll answer those questions or comments on the other side of the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. An 80-year-old Rick Tockett could beat up 99% of people. I, I'm very confident in that.